0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Tooth and Claw. We finally did it. We're talking about the Lions of Savo on this episode. And we think it turned out pretty great. Wes did a ton of preparation. He read the book that was written by the guy involved in the story like eight times or something and uh, really got the story down and uh, we're excited to share it with you guys. So thank you again for all your support, all the ratings and the reviews that you've left us. Of course, special shout out to everyone who subscribed to us on Patreon. Uh, hope you've been enjoying your bonus perks, the content, the extra episodes that we put out, the early access, all that stuff. And if that interests you, you can join at www.patreon.com slash toothandclawpodcast. And as a special thanks to all our new subscribers on Patreon, stick around to the end of the episode. We'll we'll shout you out by name and uh, give you a little bit more of a personal thank you. So uh, yeah, if that's you, feel free to stick around till then just uh, one quick producer's note i uh me mike being the producer my microphone malfunctioned for about the first five to ten ish minutes of the episode so you will not be hearing anything from me for about 10 minutes uh some of you might actually think that's a good thing but i come back in so uh, don't worry i'm still around all right let's get to the story of the lions of savo
1: Hey guys, Tooth and Claw podcast here. We got Mike, Jeff,
2: and Wes. We're back. Who do you think won, Kong or Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff hasn't seen it yet, but uh, I really wanted to talk about no, it. Yeah. Next
1: time we'll talk about it. All
2: right. I don't blame Jeff because I gave him homework to watch Ghost in the Darkness, not Godzilla vs. Kong, and he did his homework. Finally, we're going to talk about The Lions of Savo which is our most requested story. It's the one that I, from the beginning, was looking forward to this one because it's one of the more famous animal attacks ever. A little bit of a precursor to this, we're going to talk about the movie, which is called Ghost in the Darkness, which I'm sure a lot of you have seen. It came out in 96. I was pretty young, but I was obsessed with animals. And I remember it was like the movie I wanted to see, Mm. but mom and dad wouldn't let me see it. And then when it finally came out on TV... I got to see it, and I was obsessed with it. I watched it like 30 times. It's a good movie, but I really loved it, so I was kind of shocked when you guys hadn't seen it, but uh, I made you both watch it, and what would you guys think?
1: Yeah, I loved it. You want to hear, whose notes do you want let Let's first? hear your notes. All right. When Val Kilmer first gets to Africa, yeah. Val's facts. Giraffes sleep five minutes a day. What? I have no idea. That's what he <laughs> I, says. <laughs> I
2: doubt that's true, though. Uh,
1: male hyenas eat the young so females are bigger than the males to protect their babies.
2: Uh, males eat the young? Is that what it said? Yeah. So females are what? Bigger? Mm-hmm. Well, I know that hyenas have a matriarchal society. The females are in charge. And there are a lot of different mammals where the males will eat the, the babies to like try and mate with the females again. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that one's mostly true.
1: Okay. And then hippos fart through their mouth.
2: I've heard that before. Yeah. And.
1: Probably from this movie.
2: I bet. I mean, isn't that just burping? (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't know. know. I think they (laughs) fart through their butts, too.
1: Okay. And then there's a different fact from, like, one of the African tribesmen later, Uh and it's lions must have licked his skin off to drink his blood. Can they like lick skin off? They can. Yeah. So
2: they like them and tigers and a lot of the big cats, their tongues actually have little hooks on them. When you look at their tongues up close, there's all these little backward pointing hooks Mm -hmm. and they're really rough and they can lick fur and skin off of animals. And then they're like, I don't know about the drinking blood thing, but I have read that that is like a possibility that they drink blood.
1: Okay. My last bullet point here is just a question
2: for all of us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Who's the coolest in the movie? Val Kilmer, Samuel, the African tribe leader, yeah, or Michael Douglas?
2: I'm gonna say Samuel. You want to even tell though why? he doesn't exist in the book. Yeah, um, I just feel like, like Val is in the movie. He's like really cool and then michael douglas shows up and like really puts him in his place and it's kind of <laughs> yeah, weird and michael douglas is like way too boisterous and like egotistical for me to like him and he's always talking in uh, in parables you know mm-hmm. like, he's way too i don't know and but samuel just seems very level-headed and great
1: <laughs> i had michael douglas as the coolest like his intro is amazing, yeah. <laughs> his outfit, and then like I don't know, I just—he's kind of thought, a dick though. Like the whole time, but he's like just he's kind actually like also really a lot more considerate than I thought he would be. Yeah, because he's like only job is to to kill the lions. Yeah, but like he wants. Val to look good in front of his men. I thought he was actually like pretty considerate. And I I appreciate
2: that he is using like native wisdom too.
1: His only job is to like hunt. That's what he gets hired for. And he doesn't like killing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then he like forgives Val super fast when Val kind of chokes on killing one. And then, um, but I do want to point out with Samuel, Mm -hmm. really cool haircut. Just looked like a donut was on the back of his head like i'm not even making fun of him i thought he looked cool and it was funny
2: one part that i just loved is when they they just had a big victory and they're all sitting by the fire i'm not going to say what that victory is because we still got to tell the story but they've like gone through this crazy adventure together and michael douglas's character turns to val kilmer and he's like do you think you'll remember this later <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, of course. You can remember this. <laughs> no, He says we're gonna forget all
1: of this. Yeah. He, he like yeah, says exactly. like we're forgetting all of this. Someday we're gonna forget all this. And, it's <laughs> and like, Val's like, No No, I love Africa.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like, and it's like
1: <laughs> yeah, but also like <laughs> You've seen it.
2: dozens of people get killed by lions. Anyway, I you know, one thing I loved about it is that King Theodon makes an appearance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: totally. Bernard Hill. Yeah. Pre Lord Lord of the Rings gives him the rifle that doesn't work. Yeah, he's the doctor.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Uh, that's what he did before he became a horse lord. Okay, so you know I don't think we should spend too much time on the movie because the story itself like is so interesting. And honestly, the crazy thing to me is this is one of those situations where I don't think Hollywood did the actual story justice. I still really love the movie, but the actual story is even better. Ninety nine percent of this information comes straight from the guy who was there, John H. Patterson. Who is who? Val Kilmer plays in the movie. Um, he wrote a book called *The Man Eaters of Savo*, and I read that book three times now, just to make sure I got all the details right. And that's really where I've gotten almost all of this information. A little bit of other stuff I listened to, like some historical podcasts on it. I listened to like stuff you missed in history class, and a few others that talked about some of the background of the Savo region. But as far as like the actual story itself, it's all from. John H. Patterson's book, The Maneaters of Sabo. I recommend the book, but I would say it's written from like an English or from a British colonial perspective in like the late 1800s. So there is some like tricky racial stuff in there that, you know, is pretty problematic now. Uh, so you, you kind of have to read it with that mindset of like, there's even some slurs and stuff that he uses for like the Indian workers that... Um, I'm not going to repeat, but you do like, I want to recommend the book, but I want to put that caveat on there. But I actually was, I was somewhat surprised that he didn't seem like he was racist. He actually seems like a really good dude, Patterson. Like he seems like he treated his workers really well and that he didn't really see like either the Indian workers or the African tribesmen or anything as different. He very much embraced their cultures and their traditions and he was a good guy. So I really liked the book. The story takes place in 1898. The first half of the book is all about this struggle with the lions. And then the second half is all about kind of some other anecdotes that he had in Africa. He really loves Africa. He's very poetic about Africa. And he just kind of has like a really good, fun, um, positive outlook. It was actually like kind of surprising at times because I had just finished reading this other book called The Tiger, which is about a tiger attack we're going to cover at some point in Russia. And when when that author talks about the people that had been like involved in these grisly tiger attacks it's like very this shook them for the rest of their lives and this patterson guy in this book he's just kind of like gross (laughs) like he's just very like (laughs) always the optimist we'll get into it are you guys ready for the story yeah let's let's go there
0: no i'm ready let's do this okay
2: so again this takes place in 1898 uh it takes place in the savo region of kenya and savo literally means place of slaughter Uh, It got that name because there was like some different tribes that would battle in that area. It's in southeastern Kenya. It covers an area of about 20,000 square kilometers, which is roughly the size of the state of New Jersey. So it's a really big area in Kenya. In the 1890s, the British Railway started construction on a railway there that would connect Mombasa, which is a city on the coast of Kenya, with Lake Victoria, which is way inland. And that railway was going to be called the Uganda Railroad. And then they had a lot of different problems constructing this railroad outside of the man-eating lions that we're going to talk about. They got a lot of, a lot of the conscripted work came from India. They pulled a lot of Indian workers over and they didn't take very good care of these people. It's not that surprising, but these people were essentially conscripted into the British army to come work. So they worked for like pennies and they didn't get paid well and they didn't get treated well. They had terrible water. So they had like bouts of dysentery. They got scurvy. They um, had near constant diarrhea, which Mikey would love. (laughs) Uh, Jealous. (laughs) Yeah. And then also like all the animals that they had working on the railroad, conditions were terrible for them. And Savo's a really hot part of Kenya. It was like 95% of the animals that they had bought to do this work died. Like almost all their camels, donkeys, cattle, they all died. And those like back then in the late 1800s, like that's your workforce. Like you used animals for everything. And so they had huge problems from the start with this railway. Uh, it ended up costing four times more than they thought it would. They, In today's dollars, it costs $500 million. So oh, it was an wow. expensive, huge project. So John Patterson is essentially our protagonist. He's our hero. He arrived in Mombasa in March of 1898. He's a civil engineer. Uh, he'd been assigned the task of overseeing the construction of the railway through the Savo area. Shout
1: out to our dad. Yeah,
2: I was going to say, like... Our dad's a civil engineer, but he's kind of the more, like, the kind that's in looking Africa. at... Africa. He's... No. <laughs> yeah, he's the he kind does that railroads in Africa. He's the kind that looks at, like, sewer systems and subdivisions. Anyway, though, he, his main job was to build some of the bridges and, like, embankments and stuff along about 60 miles of this railway. So what I kind of understood is they would hire someone to do, like, one section, and that person would be in charge of, like, that section. And his section just happened huh. to be... This section that's running through the Savo region. He was, like I mentioned, he's like a very cheery guy. He seemed to always kind of be in good spirits, and he boards a train to Savo from Mombasa. There's like this little anecdote in that part that he's like, "Yeah, as I was on the train, I saw an ostrich running next to the train at the same speed. So my friend got our rifle and we shot it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just just everything they saw. It's just what they they did. Yeah, Yeah. Um, but." He completes his journey, gets to the railway in Savo, and it's night, and he's really excited to get up in the morning because he had just gone through like some pretty lush areas, and he was thinking like he was going to come out into this beautiful kind of jungly, quintessential African landscape. And he's a little disappointed to wake up because he sees that Savo is extremely dry, and it's covered with short leafless trees and acacia thorn bushes. Neither of you guys have been to Africa, right? No. no. Um, acacia is like the gnarliest bush you can imagine
1: is it the ones in the movie that he
2: runs through yeah the thorns on them don't give at all i think a lot of our thorn bushes that have long thorns they have a little bit of bend to them they're just like so sharp that if you even like barely brush them they really hurt is that what simba falls into
1: when he's running
2: away from the hyenas it might be yeah (laughs) acacia is really gnarly it's like probably the gnarliest plant I've seen that I've actually bumped into that I was just like, wow, that instantly hurts. And so he was like really disappointed because everything's just covered with like thorn bush. It's pretty bleak and it's more like dry savanna than like lush jungle, which he was kind of hoping for. But he's ever the optimist. He begins work on the various construction projects. Thousands of workers arrive, most of them from India and construction starts on the 60 miles that he's been tasked with. As you guys are probably guessing, Things don't go very well for very long. And he says in his book, Our work was soon interrupted in a most rude and startling manner. Uh, (laughs) What do you guys think that rude interruption might have been? Financial problems. (laughs) Hippo fart through the mouth.
0: That is pretty rude. Uh, it was <laughs> yeah, that is
2: fairly rude. Uh, you know what? I, they did have financial problems. Uh, but lion? It was lions. Oh, yeah. All right. So Patterson goes on to say in his book, two most voracious and insatiable man-eating lions appeared on the scene and for over nine months waged an intermittent warfare against the railway. At first, they were not always successful in their efforts to carry off a victim, but as time went on, they stopped at nothing and indeed braved any danger in order to obtain their favorite food. Their methods then became so uncanny, and their man-stalking so well-timed and so certain of success, that the workmen fully believed they were not real animals at all, but devils in lion shape. Many a time a worker solemnly assured me that it was absolutely useless to attempt to shoot them. They were quite convinced that the angry spirits of two departed native chiefs had taken this form in order to protest against a railway being made through their country and to avenge the insult thus shown to them.
1: How do you feel about that logic?
2: I don't I'm not going to discount it I know that like for a lot of the especially in that point a lot of the tribes people over there probably saw invaders from Britain as being evil mm-hmm. and I don't doubt that they believed that maybe these lions were possessed to help them yeah and I'm not going to say that they weren't <laughs> Okay. I mean I'm a scientist and I that's not what I personally believe but I'm not going to like you weren't there to question yeah and I'm not going to question anyone's beliefs
0: so were these attacks un- unprompted, it sounds like? They just kind of...
2: It's crazy. So we're, we're actually going to break this into two episodes. I was going to mention that earlier. Okay. It's going to be our first two-parter. And the first episode is going to be mostly story. The second episode is going to be half story and half explanation for why these lions probably did this. I thought you just gave us that. That they were spirits? That they were well, devils. Well, that's, that's one... I mean, that's one opinion, but... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get into the more scientific side of why they maybe did it. Uh-huh. But yeah, so it's going to be a two-parter. And we're going to mostly talk about what actually happened in this first episode.
0: So you also said that the lion's favorite food, it sounded like he was implying that the lion's favorite food was humans. It, it, yeah. turned, that,
2: it did turn into, yeah. Okay. Um, and there's a reason for why that probably happened. But are we pretty tasty at the end at the end of these lions lives they were mostly <laughs> eating humans we're really easy to eat mm-hmm. and that's the main thing to think about but we're going to get into that later but the main thing is that that's kind of a precursor he mentioned like for 9 months they waged war on this railway so a little bit about savo lions i want to paint a really good picture for you guys here they don't look like your typical lion so Not when you like picture a lion
0: from the movie
2: yeah, not at all. So when you picture a lion, what's a male lion, what's the defining characteristic?
0: The penis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say the mane. Right. The big old yeah, lion big mane. Yeah, the big old
2: flowing mane. Savo uh, yeah. lions don't have manes. The males don't have manes. They have like a really scruffy little one and it makes them look really foreboding and scary. It's weird. Whoa, yeah. Because like I think the big flowing mane of like a big lion makes it look so regal that there's, like, this kind of pride to it, and it's a beautiful, regal animal. And when you take that away, you can still see that it's a male lion because it has these kind of tufty mane bits, but it looks, like, much more brutish and kind of... It just looks a lot scarier. Hmm. I'll show you guys some photos later, and we'll post them to the account.
1: It's kind of like in Rocky Three, Mr. T, with, like, his with- mohawk and, like, his yeah. Like yeah. earrings and stuff. He right. just looks kind of like a punk and, like just tough
2: yeah they mm. just you know kind of I mean? they just look a little scarier to me they don't look as powerful and as big but they just look like they're like gutter punks so they're they are still african lions they're the largest predatory mammal in africa a pride of lions can take down essentially anything they don't take down adult elephants but pretty much any other animal and usually not hippos or rhinos So I guess they don't take down everything. I read
1: read about a crazy pride of lions that that were like five brothers and then one like add-on. Yeah. And they would hunt hippos.
2: Okay. Yeah. And there was like a pride that hunts young elephants and stuff too. But as far as like adult elephants, adult rhinos, they don't really do that. Uh, Hippos every once in a while. But pretty much anything else they'll kill. I was
1: surprised reading too, they kill a lot of other lions.
2: Yeah, they do. They're very territorial and very competitive. Adult males weigh on average about 420 pounds, 420, uh, females <laughs> about 280 about 69. pounds, yeah. <laughs> females about 280 pounds, males can get up to 600 pounds, um, males can be up to 10 feet long and females up to 7 feet long. So Does 600 that- is like the upper range, but 4- 420 was like their average.
0: That's That seems long. Or is that, like, snout to tip of the tail? Ten feet is
2: snout to tip of the tail. Okay.
0: So lions are the second biggest second cat, Second biggest right?
2: cat in the world. Next to Male them, lions? Next to more tigers. Is, is yeah. there any
1: other type of cat that gets bigger than female lions? Like, does a jaguar no, no. get bigger no. than a female lion? No, they don't. A thundercat?
2: Um, manes are thought to provide protection for males when they get in fights. So that's why most lion biologists think they even have manes in the first place is to, like, have ever extra protection around their neck and stuff. It's like a helmet almost. But because Savo's so hot, scientists think that they just didn't evolve to have manes there because it's just too much of a heat requirement. It just makes them too hot to have a big, huge chunk of fur on their necks. They're stock and kill predators. They show a large amount of coordination in their hunts. You know, they'll, like one lion will scare a zebra towards another one and they cut it off. They do really cool coordination. They can run up to 50 miles per hour. And they can jump 36 feet. Oof. Yeah. So, I mean, cats are just... Whoa.
1: So, They're, in the Animal Olympics, lion is going to be, like, top seed. is going to be pretty good tigers at everything. Tigers and lions
2: are, like, yeah, neck and neck. Lions live throughout sub-Saharan Africa, but their range is greatly diminished from what it used to be. Kenya and Tanzania are still strongholds for lions. There's about 675 lions in the Ambocelli-Savo ecosystem. So, that's the ecosystem we're talking about. Currently, there's about 675 lions there. A tiny bit more, lions kill an estimated, this is a big a big range here, an estimated 20 to 250 people every year. The reason there's like such a big confidence interval in that number is because a lot of these people that are killed are in really rural areas where reporting just isn't that great. Yeah, and then uh, Tanzania, which I mentioned, has the highest population of lions in Africa. Between 1990 and 2004, Just Tanzania saw 593 deaths and 308 injuries from lion attacks. So they're not an animal that doesn't attack people. It happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you painted a good picture for us, Wes. Yeah, yeah, I think we're ready. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so Patterson
2: was only in Savo for a few days before he heard that these lions had been seen nearby. And shortly after, an Indian worker disappeared. So at this point, he just kind of heard of these lions and then someone disappeared. And some of the workers told Patterson that he had been killed by a lion, but Patterson thought they were just exaggerating and that some other workers had probably killed him. But a few weeks later, he realized he was wrong. One night in early April, 1898, Ungan Singh, who was sleeping in his tent on the Uganda Railway Project. Singh was a Jemadar, which is an official in the British Indian Army. Uh, He was an Indian man, but he had worked his way up to essentially what's a lieutenant in that army Uh, and he had been conscripted to help with the construction of the railway and his specific assignment was to ensure the well-being of patterson so he was essentially patterson's bodyguard he was a large powerfully built man he was really uniquely suited to this job to be patterson's bodyguard and that night he was asleep in his tent with roughly half a dozen other indian workers so on that night in april Singh woke up to find his throat in the mouth of a large African lion. Oh, man. One of the other men in the tent remarked later that Singh threw up his arms, yelled out, let go, in his native language, and the next moment was completely gone. They watched him be pulled out from underneath the tent. Oh, wow. And then the other men in the tent listened and they could hear him struggling and screaming outside as the lion killed him right outside of the tent. They woke up, they saw him in the mouth of this lion, him like put his arms around it and yell, let go. And then just get ripped out of the tent and then killed right outside of the tent.
1: It's kind of like the in The Dark Night when the Joker holding Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And Batman goes, let her go. And then he <laughs> drops it. It's not like <laughs> yeah. that at all. Really. Yeah, it's really yeah not. probably not. huh? No. But, but he did say let go. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah
2: totally. Or kind of like that song in Frozen.
0: Let it go. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, that's good.
0: <laughs> Those three are exactly the same. That so lion did seem to have a flair for the dramatic, though. Probably worse. could see the silhouette through the yeah, tent wall. And, like and
1: just letting him wake up before it, like, yeah. and it... like say something before <laughs> yeah. it bites yeah. his neck.
2: So I just think it's about the other guys that's in had. there like waking up and seeing that happen and just how scared you would be for the rest of your life. But so the next day, Patterson and then Captain Haslam of the Royal British Army. They woke up to news that Singh had been killed. And Singh was like pretty close to Patterson. They knew each other pretty well. So he immediately went out and tried to track this lion down. And he saw, like, right around the tent, all these lion tracks. And at this point, he's like, okay, there actually is a lion. Uh, he didn't believe him up until this point. And they tracked the lion and these drag marks from Singh's heels. And they came upon the place where he had been eaten. And Patterson describes the dreadful scene. He says, the ground all around was covered with blood and morsels of flesh and bones, but Singh's head was untouched aside from puncture wounds from the lion's huge canine teeth. Oh man. Dude, the head was laying a short distance away from the other remains with the eyes staring wide open with a startled horrified look in them.
0: Jeez. No. So,
2: he they That's came all... upon like this huge kill or eating scene where the lions actually fed on Singh. They killed him right outside the tent. And really all they found was like bits and pieces and then his head mm-hmm. two big puncture wounds in it
1: i liked in the movie they find like a scene like that where it's like a 30 foot wide circle of blood yeah and samuel just like lays a blanket over like one little section <laughs> yeah. but it's still like this huge blood spot yeah he like puts it
2: over the guy's like femur <laughs> yeah. yeah Yeah. so that's like, wild though.
1: how how do how would a lion drag someone that big
2: Oh, it's easy for them. They like, can drag like a full cat. They just like cat. dragged him by his neck, you They could think? literally pick him up in his mouth and run with him. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, They mentioned how he had this like horrified look in his eyes, the head. <laughs> I, you see so many movies of people dying in movies and they, they usually look somewhat calm, like in death. And then I actually saw Tim- Timothy? Timothy Treadwell's oh, autopsy man. photos and I've shown them to Jeff and his girlfriend especially has this... The same look in her eye where it's just like total horror. For the autopsy, they just leave it like that. I saw these photos and I was like, this is insane. This look, it looks like a Hollywood prop from like a horror movie. And that's what I think of when I think of Patterson describing this guy's look in his eyes. It's a terrible way to go. Anyway.
0: I'll skip out on looking at those yeah, photos. I'd
2: be happy to show them to you sometime. Well, I wouldn't be happy. That's kind of <laughs> yeah, sorry. That was weird. Um, okay, so... Patterson again. He remarked that it was the most gruesome sight he'd ever seen in his life. I would hope so. Yeah, (laughs) you got (laughs) to remember though. Second to when
1: my wife gave birth. He's (laughs) this is the most gruesome thing I've ever seen.
2: He's army. Like he's been in wars and stuff. And this is the late eighteen hundreds. Horror is kind of a normal thing for these guys. Like they've Mm -hmm. all seen some pretty gnarly stuff. But he's like, this is the worst. So they, they examined the site a little further, and they determined that it wasn't just one lion, but there had been two lions involved in this attack. Uh, and they collected the remains as well as they could and buried them, but they took the head back to camp for the medical inspector to examine.
1: Now, you can tell me you're going to get to this later, but from the movie, it kind of seemed like the lions were like Jurassic Parking people. What do you where mean? Where like one's like Tricking a and uh, then the other one's, are like coming talk, up. We're going to
2: talk about their hunting strategy a little girl. Bit. So Patterson says, I vowed then and there I would spare no pains to rid the neighborhood of the brutes. I little knew now the trouble that was in store for me or how narrow were to be my own escape from sharing poor Ungan Singh's fate. Okay. So Patterson's plan is to go up into a tree and hope that these lions show up and to shoot them from the tree. So the next night, he climbs a tree right by the tent where Singh had been killed, and he waited for a return visit from this lion. And he's joined by a worker that was too terrified to sleep in his tent and wanted just to sleep in this tree with Patterson. So Patterson had a three o three rifle and a 12-gauge shotgun. And as they sat in this tree, they were chilled because they heard this ominous roar of the lions approaching and then silence. And then suddenly they heard screams from a camp about a half mile away. So in the morning, Patterson went to this other camp where another worker had been killed and carried away in the night. Um, So that night, he set up in a tree next to that camp, and he tied a goat to the bottom of that tree, Mm. hoping to lure the lions in um, for an open shot. It is like Jurassic Park. Yeah, it kind of (laughs) is. But that night, the lions moved on to another camp. So once more, Patterson heard the screams of dying men in another camp that was too far away.
1: Do they only have like one gun? Why not just set up a person at each yeah, camp? Yeah, I
2: mean, they're going to get to that. At this point, only a couple people had been killed. And it was an annoyance, but not so much like a full-on panic. But yeah, well, I but mean, we're going to get
1: to that. It's probably more than an annoyance for some people. For though. the
2: people, yeah, that died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is really annoying. Or like <laughs> get my head out of your mouth. Like, saw... Yeah someone die well and that again is like (laughs) shut up we're trying to sleep (laughs) i think that some of the politics of this again is like patterson was relatively safe he had like one of the best secured camps and stuff for him it was like dang i lost another worker yeah you know and then for the workers it was like Full-on, unadulterated panic (laughs) terror all of the time. Okay, Again, he misses these lions. They keep moving to different camps. So it's worth mentioning that at this point, the railway was spread out over a distance of like over 10 miles, this construction project. And the workers were broken up to a lot of different camps. So the lions were really taking advantage of this. And rather than to break in the same camp every night, they would select new camps each night. And Patterson remarked that they had almost a supernatural ability to avoid whichever camp he was staked out at. So maybe no matter, they were
1: just like trying to trying different food,
2: just different. They were like, yes. Ooh, "Let's <laughs> like,
1: go like let's a, let's a, try this restaurant like over a buffet. here." Yeah, yeah,
2: ten mile wide buffet. Yeah. No matter, but like, no matter how enticing he made a specific spot for those lions, they would avoid it and attack somewhere else. So these lions are like really. He's impressed by their ability to evade him. Um, And he's starting to, like, kind of wonder if some of this supernatural stuff might hold water. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, because, like, they seem like they're ghosts in the darkness. I mean, they're not, like, he's not able to get a shot on them. And they keep avoiding him, even though he's putting out goats and doing all these really attractive things for lions. So any free time he had in the day, he was trying to hunt the lions. But the thorny bush in the Savo region was really hard to navigate through. And so he just usually would come back to camp, like, pretty dejected and all cut up from these acacia thorns. It's kind of weird that that's his responsibility. Yeah, he's Because he's like a civil engineer. Yeah, he's like in charge of everything, essentially. Like, he is the engineer, and that's his main thing. And that's like kind of plays into when you ask, like, why aren't there other people out there hunting? Everyone else was pretty much just a worker. Like, they weren't necessarily trained. Aside from these Indian Jemadars and stuff that were like lieutenants, there was a few of them. And then he had people that were specifically responsible for bringing his gun to him and stuff. Mm -hmm. And some of those guys were trained to use firearms.
0: It's kind of a hard role to hand out to a worker too. It's like, okay, you're, you're off bridge duty. You're on lion duty now. (laughs) You're not getting a raise. (laughs) This is just (laughs) and The other
2: thing to remember is these are old guns. These aren't like rapid firing, like quick loading, semi-automatic guns that we have these days. It takes a while to get a shot out. And a lot of times they fail. And, if you got two lions coming at you, you're not going to feel that confident with one of these guns unless you really know what you're doing. Luckily, he says the lions didn't have a 100% success rate, and Patterson spends a little bit of his book talking about some of their failed attempts, and he treats them like they were pretty funny and served to lighten the tension that was building around the whole construction <laughs> project. One of these attempts involved an Indian trader who was riding on his donkey one night When one of the lions jumped out of the bush and knocked over the trader and the donkey, badly injuring the donkey in the process. The lion got tangled up in some of the pans that this guy had hanging from the donkey. And it like, they got like attached to the lion. You know, like when a cat gets tangled up in something and it's like freaking out. (laughs) Yeah. That's what happened with this lion. And it got really freaked like out.
1: They thought it was in a trap or something. Yeah, because
2: they were all banging around and it like ran ran off into the bush. And this trader, he he like climbed a tree to get away from the lion. I'm not sure what ended up happening with the donkey. But Patterson talks about this like it was the funniest thing. I'm sure this dude was scarred for life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another night, a Greek contractor was sleeping on his mattress when a lion broke into his tent and pulled the mattress out from under him and ran off with it. So this dude's just like sleeping and suddenly he's on the ground. Pranked. Yeah. Yeah. You think it used the mattress? I wouldn't be surprised. It's comfy. Yeah. There's a tiger in the tiger story that I'm going to tell at some point. Slept on a mattress one night. Really? Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Patterson talks about this Greek guy and then he's like, unfortunately, he died of thirst not long after when he got lost in the desert. Oh, so, that's a, yeah. Lion kind of might've been better, yeah, honestly. Yeah, seriously.
0: That's not one of the funny stories. That is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On
2: another night, a group of workers were sleeping in their tent when a lion jumped on top of it, injuring one man, but collapsing the tent in the process. And in the resulting chaos, this lion made off with a bag of rice that it had mistaken for a human and then like dropped mm-hmm. it later out of disgust. Oh. So, so these were all like the funny stories that he was telling, like, Oh, here's when the lion didn't slaughter yeah. some of my men. <laughs> yeah but so Patterson really thought like this helped to alleviate some tension, but I'm guessing uh, that was just
1: for himself. Yeah, it probably <laughs> the dudes
2: that were getting killed were probably still pretty tense, I'm guessing yeah So Patterson slept in a big tent with uh, Dr. Rose and Dr. Brock, who were two of the medical doctors on the project, as well as their servants and they surrounded uh, they surrounded their tent with a boma. And a boma, you guys saw in the movie, it's essentially when you take all of this thorny acacia and you weave it into a fence and you build them really tall. Oh, okay. And a lot of the Swahili tribesmen and other tribesmen in Africa would build those specifically for protection from predators.
1: Yeah, I've seen those a lot
2: before this movie. Too.
1: Yeah. and uh, Like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective 2.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is great. That's some great research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, One thing I did want to mention too, I, in doing research for this, I learned that throughout Africa, a lot of the people, the native peoples that lived in Africa for thousands of years, a main way that they would subsist is by following lions throughout the day and then scaring lions off of their kills. And lions in the day are really pretty easy to scare. You can, you can find a lion that's actually killed something and like on a kill and these Bushmen or tribesmen or whatever Would come in and scare the lions away and take that meat. And that was like Hmm. a main way of surviving for a lot of these people. And so there's a huge difference between interacting with a lion in the day versus one at night. That's like a completely different animal, essentially. So I just wanted to make a note of that. I think
1: I was thinking about lions, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think it's interesting, like compared to other big cats, or just yeah. like, pretty much anything but house cats. Yeah, how they just sit out in the open a lot in the day.
2: Yeah, I mean because
1: like tigers are always like in like grass or something. Right. And like most most big cats are always like kind of hidden. Yeah, I feel like lions a lot of times are just
2: kind of like sitting out in the open. And the reason for that is because they are in prides. And because they're in prides, they can depend on all these other animals within their group to like hunt and get food for them. Whereas, like, a tiger or a leopard or a jaguar is almost always hunting because they're constantly oh, needing to be yeah. stealthy because they're only really, they have to worry about themselves and they don't have this kind of extra cushion of like other animals I that can they can relax depend for on. A bit. Yeah. Is um, the
0: fact that these lions were. Do performing these are attack, performing, I don't know, that's a weird performing. word. Performing, <laughs> <laughs> attacking these people at night. Is that is that like an, an anomalous thing for lions or is nighttime hunting for lions? No, nighttime is happens? like
2: that's when that's when they're most active in oh, hunting. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they built these bomas around their camps uh, and they also allowed the workers to build bomas around their camps as well. But the lions each night managed to either like find holes or weak spots in the bomas or like just completely jump over them. So uh, every few nights, Patterson would wake up to the news that another man had been killed and carried off, and he's really starting to get nervous about the morale of all of his workers, which makes total understandable sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. But up until this point, he had been lucky because the largest camp in the whole project, this camp called Railhead Camp, was in Savo. So they kind of had these traveling camps of workers, and this really big camp with thousands of workers was in Savo, and that helped... All of his workers feel like their odds of being killed were much smaller because even though people were getting killed every other night, it was like, well, there's thousands of workers here, so chances are it won't be me. (laughs) Yeah, but this railhead camp finally moved on and Patterson was left with just a few hundred men and then suddenly they're like, oh shit, we're in trouble you know, because yes. there's not that many of us anymore. Yeah.
0: It would take a lot of other people around me before I started to play the odds game. If there was like a million people yeah. in my camp, I'd still yeah. kind of be like, uh don't If know. you
2: have a one in 2000 chance of being pulled out of your tent in the middle of the night and like savagely eaten alive by lions, you're just going to be in a constant state <laughs> of yeah, fear. Yeah, it's terrible like, odds. I, that's the thing I kept thinking about as I read this book, just like, How terrifying this must have been for those workers who are unarmed, totally unprotected aside from like a thorn fence and some fires. And the fact that these lions are just getting through every night. These barriers aren't doing anything. Yeah.
1: It's like one in 2,000 every single day. Right. So like it's a lot more than than that, you know.
2: Yeah. And this went on for nine months total. So it's just like I think it's hard to like overstate how scared these dudes must have been. And Patterson, probably not so much because he's like the great white hunter, you know, and he had his gun and he was Mr. Adventure and he kind of saw it as this challenge. But to these guys who are just there to make a tiny bit of money to send back to their families, this isn't worth it. This huge camp with thousands of people finally moves on and Patterson's left with just like a few hundred people. And they're all essentially camped together. So this led the Lions to be much more focused They're not spreading out over all this, like, huge distance anymore. They're really just attacking Patterson's men every single night. And panic is really starting to break out, which, to be honest, like, I'm surprised they've made it this long without full-on panic happening. But the men are starting to, like, threaten to revolt and leave. Uh, And Patterson allows them to build higher bomas, and he allows them to put more fires around their camps and assign night watchmen. And then they also tied ropes to trees and they hung pans and oil tins from them, and a guy would be in his tent holding the other end of this rope, and all night would just be banging these oh, pans man. and oil tins Jeez. together.
1: I um, like how you say he allowed them to. Yeah, it's
2: like you know what,
1: <laughs> it's been kind of fun letting you seeing guys die, dies, yeah. <laughs> but I guess I'll let you
2: build. Yeah, more I mean, safe campground. I think like we're being a little hard on Patterson. He really did care about his workers, but he also had this crazy schedule to keep to. And so building BOMAs and doing all that stuff would take days. Uh, I see. And that was the main conflict. It was like, do I let these guys take days off of work to like protect themselves? Or do I have to answer to my ir ups and like complete these tasks that I need to complete? But he tended to side with his workers to his credit, doing all he could to keep them safe. Good. All those precautions that they took, the higher BOMAs, more fires, everything, it helped them feel like they had a little more control over the situation but it wasn't stopping the attacks. So uh, when this railhead camp left, they left behind a hospital camp that was about three-fourths of a mile from Patterson's camp. And it had a really thick and a really tall boma built around it. And it was like regarded to be one of the better bomas, but the lions still managed to find a weak spot and get through it. But the crazy thing is Patterson talks about in his book that The lion's like didn't make any noise as they came through these Bomas. Even though they're squeezing through tiny little gaps in them and stuff, it was quiet and they could get through them. They're just really good at figuring it out. Kind of like the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park. Yeah, no, (laughs) it's very similar. So Uh, So one night, uh, a hospital assistant had heard a noise outside and he cautiously opened his tent to look out, only to realize in horror a huge male lion was standing a few feet away. So the assistant fell backwards as the lion leapt toward him, and at the last second, he was lucky enough to fall into a stack of medical supplies, which made a really loud clattering sound, and it scared the lion. So oh, the lion, okay, the lion, I thought
1: he like got wounded, uh-huh. and you were saying he's lucky he fell into the medical supplies, <laughs> <'cause>
2: so he <laughs> could just heal himself <laughs> right away. No, it was because it scared the lion. But okay. um, yeah, good thought. Um, I'm not surprised. That's where your brain went. <laughs> so the lion immediately changed direction and ran to another area of the camp. Uh, where he had much better luck he collapsed a tent that had eight injured or sick workers inside he seriously injured two of them and then he grabbed a third and dragged him and pulled him through the boma so patterson and the workers uh, they decide to abandon this hospital camp because the lions are now targeting it and they move all of the current patients and the hospital to a new site that's much closer to the other camps because the hospital camp had been almost a mile away from everyone else And they put up a bigger BOMA, they put up better safety measures, and then Patterson again climbs a tree by the old hospital camp, thinking that the lions will probably come back there. But again, he makes the wrong move. That night, the hospital water carrier had laid down in his new camp. He's feeling pretty good. He's got this brand new BOMA. He's got all these fires. He's close to the camp. And he's relieved because he last night escaped all this pandemonium where a lion killed patients, you know, while he was there. Yeah. And uh, he's sleeping with his head near the center pole of the tent. So it's a circular tent. There's the center pole. His head's near the center pole, and his feet are out by the edge of the tent. And uh, he, his feet are pretty much touching the canvas. And he wakes up in the middle of the night to tugging on his feet. And he's horrified to see a huge lion head sticking out from underneath the tent canvas and latched onto his feet. The lion starts dragging the man out of the tent, and the water carrier screams and grabs onto a nearby heavy box, which he drags with him until it caught by the side of the tent. He then grabs onto a tent rope, and the lion plays tug-of-war with him in the tent for a minute until the rope snaps. The other workers in the tent-
1: he had a strong
2: grip then. Yeah. The rope broke. I'm impressed by the guy more than the lion. Like he grabs this box and then he grabs the rope. So the other, the other workers in the tent then watched as the fire illuminated as this lion jumps onto their friend, shakes him violently by the throat, and then he stops screaming. So the lion then picks him up in his jaws, like we mentioned earlier, fully picks him off the ground, runs with him and forces him through the boma. Uh, leaving, like, a bunch of torn clothes and flesh behind. So in the morning, they, like, there's all these torn bits of the guy in the boma. Yikes. Yeah, so in the morning, Patterson and Dr. Brock, they follow the trails to the remains, and very little was left of this dude. His skull, his jaws, a few large bones, a portion of his palm with two fingers, and they sent his ring and his teeth to his wife in India, which apparently teeth was an important thing for some of those people. So the next day, they again move the hospital camp, an even bigger boma is built, and the lions are seen several times, once trying to attack a worker in the middle of the day who climbs up a tree, and then once stalking Dr. Brock. So Patterson and Dr. Brock, they're realizing they got a real problem, you know, obviously, so they round up some cattle for bait and they hide inside of a supply wagon that night and they're near this newly abandoned camp where the water carrier had been killed. And they're aiming their guns out into the dark and they can't really see anything and they think they hear something approaching and then suddenly they see this dark shadow roaring and jumping at them and they both fire. Oh, geez. And Brock misses, but Patterson thinks he hits the lion. And that was his first personal interaction with the lions. Patterson and the rest of the crew They then get a break from these lions, which makes me think that he might have actually hit this lion because months pass with no problems. They don't have any kind of issues. Patterson knows that they might come back. So he gets to work on building a trap, which is the trap you guys saw in the movies. It's a good trap. trap. Yeah. The trap he builds, it's pretty much like a big wooden sleeper. So picture like a shipping container that's made out of wood and it has doors on both sides. And then in the middle, he installed all these metal bars and so the idea was that there'd be, like, bait on one side, which would be live men, and then the lion would come in, and when the lion comes in, it steps on a spring in the floor that causes the door to fall. And so it's essentially trapped in this compartment, and then the men in the other compartment, separated by the bars, can shoot it and kill it. So after months, this relative piece is shattered by these all-too-familiar screams at this point, and the ghost in the darkness had returned. Uh, some of the workers had started sleeping outside, because they'd kind of like eased up a little bit. It was so hot in their tents and it was so much cooler outside that they started sleeping outside and they're beginning to just feel a little bit safer. And then they woke up to the lion, like forcing itself through the boma. Like imagine waking up and you see the lion coming through the boma. And it's like, you know, you can see like it's determination in its eyes and it's trying to get through all these thorns. Um, So they begin screaming and they're throwing like sticks and rocks and like flaming sticks at the lion But it runs into the middle of this group, grabs one of the workers, and drags him through the fence. And then the other lion immediately joins him outside the boma. Before, they had always killed the person and then, like, take him into the bush to eat him. But this time, they just ate him right outside of the boma. So all these other dudes are there watching as this guy is struggling. And then killed and then the lions just sit there and eat him patterson's in his like own little camp away from this Uh. and these guys had a few guns and they fired shots towards the lion but they're like terrible aims it's the middle of the night and the lions like didn't even care they just sat there and ate this guy (laughs) while they were shooting at him another thing to remember too is with these guns like they don't have the same the bullets don't have the same kind of firepower too like our bullets nowadays explode and do all these crazy things. Their bullets would just kind of go in. You be pretty close. Yeah, so you got to hit in the right spot. So in the morning, Patterson decides not to bury this dude that the lions had just eaten, like the, he didn't bury his remains, but he left them out as bait for the lions. So oh, I'm no. just thinking of these poor workers. Yeah. Not only do they see this, but the whole next day, this dude's remains are just hanging out outside of your fence. But the next day, he learns that the lions had attacked a camp two miles away. And then once again, they killed and ate this guy right outside of the Boma. So he starts staying up almost every night. He's moving to places where he thinks they're going to show up. But every single night, they're either seeing him and switching course, or he's just feeling like he's really unlucky. But men keep dying. The lions seem to be taking new victims almost every night. And in his book, The Maneaters of Sabo, he writes... In the whole of my life, I have never experienced anything more nerve-shaking than to hear the roars of these dreadful monsters growing gradually nearer and nearer and to know that some one or other of us was doomed to be their victim before morning dawned. Once they reached the vicinity of the camps, the roars completely ceased, and we knew that they were stalking their prey. Shouts would then pass from camp to camp, Beware, brothers, the devil is coming. But the warning cries would prove of no avail, and sooner or later agonizing shrieks would break the silence, and another man would be missing in the morning.
1: That's so scary that the freaking lions were roaring, like, here like, we we're come. Coming. Yeah. And
2: then they stop, and you're like, <laughs> shit, they're on their way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. He recalls a specific night where he's, like, starting to feel pretty crazy because the lions are feeling, like, very supernatural. And he spent all of his free time hunting them. Uh, he had, like, military officers coming out to help him, and, like, they couldn't shoot him either. And night after night, they're, like, killing people. So he recalls a specific night where the lions grabbed a man from the railway station and they brought him like close to his tent uh, and ate him right outside of Patterson's tent. Oh, man. And he could hear like his bones crunching and he could hear the lions like purring the whole night as they're (laughs) eating this guy. And he said for days, that's all he could hear was the sound of bones crunching and the lions purring because he just couldn't get it out of his head. Uh, Some of the other like guys that were in that camp of this guy that just died asked if they could move into Patterson's camp. And he was like, yeah, of course, like, come sleep in here. And then he learned that they left one of their other guys behind who was too sick to leave. And Patterson was like, wait, you slept him? what? <laughs> yeah, and so he gets up and, like, goes to save this guy and goes to their camp that they had abandoned. And the dude had died of fright. He had just died. What? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, because he was so scared to be left alone.
0: How do they know he died of fright?
2: Uh, because he was fine when they left and then like 20 minutes later, Patterson went back and he was dead.
0: It's like how Padme dies at the end of Star Wars.
2: Uh, no, she dies because sad. she's sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: yeah. the same kind of...
2: Well, one's sad and one's fright. Yeah. <laughs> I see where you're yeah. going. Yeah. and just yeah. saying
0: these things can happen. They can happen. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: And that's a great example.
0: Thanks. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so up until this point, the lions had attacked one at a time. One would enter in the BOMA. And the other one would wait outside. And then the, the one that goes in the boma would kill someone and then bring him outside and they would both eat it. They were kind of like taking turns. So, but now they're actually starting to attack together. And on the last week of November, 1898, they broke into a camp and they immediately attacked two Swahili porters. One was killed and eaten immediately. And the other, they could hear groaning for hours. So all the workers that are in this camp can just hear this other dude like moaning and groaning. And he had been attacked and they were too scared to go out and help because there's like what if the lions are still there but finally they summon up the courage to go help this guy and they found him stuck in the middle of the boma and the lion had tried pulling him through but couldn't get him mm. through and he was rescued but he died from like all these injuries the next day from both the lion and the thorns
0: i'm starting to be more scared of bomas than lions yeah, at the this bomas point. are pretty good. They arby. sound terrible yeah,
2: yeah. So one night the lions attacked and dozens of men swarmed up a tree to get away. And then the tree actually like fell down because too many people went up it (laughs) and it crashed like down right by the lion, but the lion had already gotten someone and he was eating it. So he didn't really care that suddenly all these (laughs) dudes fell out of a tree right next to him. Um, Another night they made an attack on the largest camp near the Savo railway station. They quickly caught a worker and dragged him off. The camp inspector fired over 50 shots in the direction of the lions And in the morning, Patterson and this inspector started following the trail of what they assumed to be a hurt lion. Because it was this weird kind of markings on the ground, like it had been trailing a broken limb or something. And when they approached the carcass, they heard the lion's growl and they ran into the bush. So they scared these lions off the carcass. And they learned that what they thought had been like the lion dragging a broken limb was actually this guy's finger marks in the sand from him, like them dragging him through the sand. And he had been eaten, like his legs, arm, half of his body had already been eaten and they buried his remains. So he was dead. He was dead. But when they dragged him out there, he was like, yep, he's dead. (laughs) So we're coming to the end of, of part one, but the workers had had enough this was the last straw for them this
1: was the last straw
2: yeah i mean at this point it took
1: them a while to yeah get it hit. did
2: but at this point there's not that many of them there's only like a few hundred that are with patterson and they're getting picked off every night and yeah. the lions have up the ante now they're both attacking at the same time and that was just too much so you
1: think they like had that in their mind before though like Once they kill sixty of us, that's the last straw. I'm done. (laughs) One more person, I swear, I'm (laughs) out of here.
2: Uh, I honestly, I think a big part of it was that now that they're they're attacking together and they're eating the people, like eating the people right there. I
1: think I'd still rather work there than for like the Amazon. deliveries uh, i don't know oh (laughs) i see what you're saying the warehouse workers at amazon i
2: was thinking jungle yeah yeah i think you're probably right you don't have to
0: (laughs) pee in bottles at least
2: uh so on december 1st these workers start striking patterson comes back to camp after burying this most recent victim and these men told him like hey we came from india to work for the government not to serve as food for lions or devils, and they hopped on the train and they left.
0: That's a strong point they make.
2: Yeah, uh, and and that happens in the movie too. Like at one point, they're just like, "No, nope, we're done." And they get on the train, they leave, and Patterson's left with a skeleton crew. There's not that many people left, and work on the railway stops. So these lions succeed in completely shutting down this railway, and Patterson knows he needs to figure out a way to end these lions or die trying. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about in the next episode is how this whole story comes to a conclusion. It's really interesting what happens. But uh, this this first half is mostly just to illustrate, like, these lions are pretty good at what they, they were doing. They wreaked some havoc. Yeah, it wasn't like a couple people died and they were like, oh, shoot, there's some lions around. It was a constant, unending terror for these dudes.
1: And it seemed like they were doing everything they could think of to, like, prevent attacks. Yeah. And it was just like. They couldn't, they couldn't help themselves. Yeah.
2: And the crazy thing for me is like, from two
1: lions, that's crazy.
2: When you hear a lot of these stories, even from like back in that time, it's like, oh yeah, someone wandered off at night and they ended up getting killed. But you don't, if you don't have a safe spot, like if you can't even lay in your tent at night without fear of being pulled out from under your tent by a lion, you would just never be able to relax ever. And that's the crazy thing to me is like, there was no safety. There was no sanctuary. There was no place where they could go and like feel like they were ever safe.
1: Maybe like when a different worker getting actively eaten a mm. lot, maybe they can relax. Yeah, for it's a like, hey,
2: we got like, <laughs> we got 20 minutes to chill. Yeah. Because they're busy. Yeah. Anyway, that's the first part of the story. Uh, you guys have any questions so far? It's pretty wild. It's almost repetitive when you read it, because it's just like, and then another guy Do died. Do we know around.
1: how many deaths we're at around right so, now? So,
2: right now, I don't know exactly how many. Patterson ends up reporting 135 deaths from these Ooh, lions. Geez. But we're going to talk about that because scientists think it's significantly less. Mm. And we're going to talk about the two different kind of ways that they've figured that out. That'll be in the next episode. And that's a really interesting part when we talk about the motives behind these lions and like how many people they actually killed and the science they used to figure that out is really cool but as far as like these attacks like i was saying it's just very repetitive like every night it happens patterson goes up in a tree tries to shoot him fails and then it happens again it's just really i mean
0: it's repetitive in the same way that you read about world war one stories where there's a constant barrage of bombs and it's like It's repetitive, but also it is consistently maddening and and horrifying. And you're going crazy. You're literally going crazy with fear. Reading this story, I I just couldn't think of anything that would be more
2: terrifying than just like every night thinking I might get eaten alive tonight. Like there's a good chance of it. It just sounds awful. It's like thinking there's a monster in your closet, but there actually very well could be. Anyway, that's part one. Uh, I'm really excited to tell you guys part two, but we're going to do that in a couple weeks. I think we're going to do a couple categories today. We're going to kind of split up our categories between the two episodes. But uh, are you guys ready? Ready yeah. for categories? Yeah. I think I am. I've, I am too, because I'm tired well, of talking. Okay. I don't know. It depends which ones we're doing, but okay. I should be ready. Well, our first one <laughs> is your favorite line from pop culture. Nice. Are you ready for that category? Yeah. Okay, let's hear it. My
1: favorite lion is Scar. Same answer. Really? <laughs> yes. Scar is super cool. Yeah. Uh, I think he's
2: cooler than Mufasa and Simba. I do too. And I I kind of picture these Savo lions like Scar. Slinkier and like their manes aren't as big, but they're like tough.
1: Another shout out I have is in Wild Boys. Mm-hmm. They have two real good lion episodes. Yeah, where they're in where the hammock where they're in the hammock with like raw chicken hanging from the hammock and a lion like jumps on them Uh uh-huh or where they're in the zebra costume running around
2: with zebras and the lion comes and like tackles them yeah those were some of the more insane bits from that show
0: my favorite lion is uh lafcadio the lion who shot back i don't know if you've read the shell silverstein book Uh lafcadio the lion well, I guess there's nothing more to be said then. <laughs> no, tell us a little it's bit great. about It's great. I mean, you guys know Shel Silverstein, yeah. right? It's about a lion who kind of gets put in captivity and put on display for humans. He ends up becoming like a really big celebrity. The reason why I asked about his uh, lion's favorite foods being humans is because confused me because lafcadio's favorite food is marshmallows okay and he had like a whole suit made out of marshmallows yeah i wouldn't go off of that for yeah. like yeah cool but that's it's very it's uh, funny it's it's a kid's book
2: it's very left field i've never heard of it i love yeah, him. me neither He's well mine's great. scar too so should, i'm not gonna oh
1: huh? should we do you have any shout outs to other lions
2: uh like aslan mm. aslan's another lion We got Scar. We got all the other Lion King lions. The Detroit lions. Detroit lions. There's a lot of lions. LeBron James
1: lion tattoo.
0: Lionel Richie. (laughs) That's good.
2: (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, So our next category is what would Mike and Jeff do if you were attacked by a lion? We're going to say, what are you going to do if you're in In 1898 and you're attacked by a lion on the Savo Railway Camp? Okay. I'll tell Mike, you, you you're start? gonna die. Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's pretty much game over, but I would I would construct a little personal portable dome of Boma, Boma and <laughs> just carry it over me the whole time. <laughs> it's not a <that> bad <laughs> like idea. Sleep an, in a Boma.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. Like an umbrella, maybe. Like yeah, you have a pole a with it and you can just like tuck down real fast. Yeah. I
0: think we just solved the story.
1: I yeah. think the, that they were getting through the Boma.
2: Yeah, but it would, sure. it would probably be like, well, this one's too hard. I'll just grab this one that doesn't have a little personal bone around oh, it. yeah. Right. All right, Jeff, what would you do? I mean, it
1: sounds like I just need to climb a tree. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> or just have like yeah. a donkey with a bunch of pans. Yeah, <laughs> just carry a donkey <laughs> around Just sit on everywhere. it. Yeah. I'll, okay. Yeah. I'll make like a little bed on top of a donkey and have a bunch of pans on it.
2: Uh, Okay. Well, actually, um, neither of those are that dumb. <laughs> I feel like you guys did okay. Uh, There's not too much out there. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that spend a lot of time around lions, like people doing safaris or hunting or whatever people are doing in the African bush. And they say, like, it's pretty similar to bears, actually. You don't want to run. You never run. You stand your ground, maybe retreat slowly, but you face the lion. You clap your hands. You shout. You wave. You try and make yourself look big. Do whatever you can to kind of like discourage it from wanting to charge you. They do bluff charges just like bears, but usually they'll stop short and they won't actually make contact. This is at day too. like that's an important thing to remind you guys like this is if you see a lion during the day. Um, you want to avoid mating lions because they tend to be like much more revved up during that time, especially the males. And then you definitely want to avoid lioness with, with cubs um, because they do protect their cubs. Uh, And then the main thing is just, like, avoiding being out at night in lion country um, because then all the rules kind of go out the window and they're actually maybe going to, like, hunt you rather than just Uh attack you because they're pissed off at you. So avoiding nighttime is the main thing. But if you actually are attacked by a lion, if one, like, grabs you, there's not much you can do unless you have, like, a gun or something. Bear spray would probably work on them. Um, But as far as once it's got you, you... You can try and fight back, but it's
0: probably going to kill you. I try to avoid mating animals as a rule. Yeah. It's kind of awkward. Yeah. It seems like a bit of a, yeah, yeah, like you're intruding. (laughs) Yeah.
1: There's that one story of the guy who pulled a thorn out of its paw, a lion's paw. Yeah. And then the lion and him were like friends after that.
2: Yeah. There was actually a mouse that did it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The mouse. No,
1: there's a story of a guy that did it. Is little
2: mouse. Is that,
0: <laughs> I it's promise. A pretty popular little kid story about a mouse. <laughs> it's
1: based off a guy who okay. did
2: it in Rome, or maybe the guy was based off the mouse. Oh yes.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know what
2: to tell you. All right. Uh, our last category. Or no, we're gonna do two more listener
0: questions. Jeff, you got listener questions for us? Yes. I don't. So a lot of a lot of those stories that come out of Rome. Aren't yeah. Real. Okay. I know, but I'm <laughs> saying
1: that there, like, it doesn't just have to be the mouse story because there is one with a person too. Okay.
2: Okay. Fair kay. enough. All right. But there is one with a
1: mouse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, listener questions. We're starting with two Patreon questions. Okay. Kristen Kramer, how do you judge which zoos are more ethical and okay to go to?
2: Yeah, uh, that's a great question, Kristen. If you want a lot of information about this, if on like on my Instagram uh, on Grizzkid, I have a highlight that tells like all the information you need. But a short answer to that is, uh, Aza Aza accredited zoos are usually zoos that have to live up to a certain standard. So if it's Aza accredited, chances are they're doing you know they're hitting that standard to give their animals the right kind of enrichment and enclosures and everything they need to be happy so i would feel pretty good going to any zoo that is aca accredited but check out that highlight on my account it'll give you a lot more information about how to choose which zoos are okay to go to
1: all right from tammy tomlinson (laughs) Um, being one of your northern uh canadian neighbors is there any animal specific to canada that is rare or not found in the u.s and maybe even in another province besides bc
2: yeah, I mean, if you, if you like, take Alaska out of the equation, then there's a lot, because they have, like, caribou and, a, well, not a lot, but there's a few other animals, too, that we don't have. Yeah. Uh, they have polar bears. But once you include Alaska, like, we pretty much have everything they have, too. Lynx are much more common in Canada. Wolverine are much more common Canada in Canada. Canada is, like,
1: the only place that has spirit bears, really,
2: right? Yeah, they're the only ones with spirit bears, which are... uh. They're just a black bear, a genetic variation of a black bear, but they are the only ones that have them. They might trickle into Alaska every once in a while, but it's mostly Canada. Yeah. Okay. It's a good question, though. All right.
1: And then uh, let's get into the Instagram listener questions. Okay, from Nico Iannone. Wes, can you explain your reasoning for avoiding seafood?
2: Yeah. uh, That's a long answer to uh, a really good question. Mostly I... Just did some research into overfishing and how um, badly it's destroying our oceans and how quickly a lot of fish stocks are being depleted. And at the time when I learned about all that, I was like, okay, I got to make smart choices about seafood. But then I found that it was so hard to get good information about what seafood is sustainable. And it just got so complicated that I just decided to stop eating it altogether. Um, If you look into the overfishing problem, personally, I think it's the biggest problem facing our planet so i i just couldn't i just couldn't eat seafood anymore but i don't judge people that do um but for me it just was too tricky
1: all right so next question from brandon uh doodle all right do you all watch sports Yeah. Uh, yeah i we all really like the utah jazz that's yeah. probably our favorite. Or no. We're we in city. Wait, a <laughs> Mike says Wait a minute. <laughs> Mike texts me every game and tells me that he hates him. So <laughs>
2: um. We do. Jeff likes sports probably the most. I don't know. Well, Mike, Mike and likes Jeff him a lot. Mike and Jeff really like sports. I'm yeah. I'm a sports fan but I'm very casual. Yeah.
1: I like mainly football and basketball. Yeah. I watch a little tennis.
2: I like mostly basketball.
1: But yeah. All right. From Art is the image of life. How do you feel about Animal Crossing having wasps slash scorpions as deadly
2: animals in the game? I've never played Animal Crossing. Have you guys? No. I actually,
0: I, yeah. It's not for me. I'll just yeah. say that. But they have wasps about...
2: and scorpions as deadly animals. Yeah. I mean, both of those animals are potentially deadly. They could kill people, yeah. right? Yeah. So you
0: feel okay about yeah, it? Yeah, I'm fine with that. All right. It is kind of funny the villager gets a big like puffy eye when he gets stung by the bees. Yeah. It's pretty cute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, from Chelsea Kubricky. Uh what are your thoughts on invasive species like iguanas in Florida?
2: Uh I mean they're a huge problem. It's mm-hmm. an absolutely massive problem. Oh, iguanas they like they're still trying to figure out exactly what kind of issues iguanas are causing. But when you look at like Burmese pythons or Argentine tegus or some of the animals that are running loose in Florida, they're completely decimating uh, some of the native wildlife there and they just don't belong there. So yeah, it's a huge problem.
1: What are there any invasive animals you kind of like that they
2: haven't around? I think a lot of them are really cool. Yeah. Like when I was in Florida, I saw like chameleons and all these other animals that are like from all around the world. Yeah. It's really neat seeing them. But it's they're terrible for the ecosystem. It's like one of the leading causes of extinction is invasives. So, so
1: how, like, you kind of wish that hippos were in Louisiana. Kinda. Still. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess it's it's fun to think about, but, but it's terrible. How do you what what do we do to deal with the problem? The, I mean, do you just like kill iguanas? Can, yeah. Or? I
2: mean, if you can get on top of it quick enough, yeah, you can like eradicate the invasive before they take hold. But in Florida, for example, like Burmese pythons, there's thousands of them now. And they can't. Now they're just managing them. They're not trying to get rid of them because they just can't. It's impossible. Man. Um, so the, the key is getting at them quickly. But once they get a, like a stronghold, it's really hard to get rid of them. Um, uh, to be honest, like one of the worst invasive animals out there are household cats. People let their cats out. And cats just kill billions of birds every year. So cats are each. like, yeah, yeah. Each cat kills <laughs> birds. Cats are one of the worst, like the biggest problems facing birds and small animals like lizards and stuff too. Hmm. Yeah,
1: I saved a bird from a cat the other day. Nice. It just spooked the bird off, and the cat got all mad at me. <laughs> this one I was gonna skip, but then I thought it might be kind of interesting, okay. kind of funny. Um, from Ganiki. Uh, interview an animal? Question, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so, interview an animal. So, I I didn't really know where he was going with that, okay. but where my mind eventually got to is like from Tooth and Claw podcast. If you could interview any of the animals and like actually hear like their thoughts yeah. on the attack, what story would you want?
2: Mow the chimp. Mo? Oh yeah.
1: man! But like from who? From Mo? From Mo? I want to know Not Mo's story. from the story. chimp that attacked.
0: No, I want to know Mo's story, and I want to know where he went. <laughs> okay. I want to interview the crows. I want to hear their side of the story, <laughs> like <laughs> how mad they are. <laughs> yeah. At the, yeah. Maybe it would be less of an interview and more of just kind of like let's get an understanding here. Let's talk it out. You know? Yeah. How about you?
1: Uh, maybe the tiger. Yeah. In the zoo. Just Tatiana. like Tatiana. Did you know you could always jump out and you just waited that long? (laughs) And, like, were those kids like, did they really deserve to die?
2: (laughs) This is going to be a hard hitting interview. (laughs) Yeah.
1: This one just kind of made me laugh. Pike wash here. Why do ducks flap their wings nonstop when they're flying? Uh, To
2: stay in (laughs) the air. Uh, no, I get it. I get what they're asking. Um, like some birds can glide and some can't. Yeah. And I'm just guessing that with ducks, like their body weight and the way their feathers are arranged and their types of feathers, they're not gliding birds. They're birds that have to constantly flap. Like I'm working with golden eagles right now and they have huge wings Mm -hmm. and like their body weight to wing ratio is like a lot different than a ducks. Yeah. And so a golden eagle can just put its wings out and glide for a really long time. But ducks can't do that. And it's just because that ratio is different and their wing structure is different. Cool. Yeah. All right. So our last category we're going to do today is do we like this animal? Uh, we're talking about lions. was that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I'm going to guess we all like lions. I like them quite a bit. I've seen some lions in the wild. Um, it's really like one of the coolest things for me when I was in Africa was waking up early and hearing lions roaring in the distance Like that really like loud bellowing roar that a male lion does. It was just really magical. Uh, So I'm a big fan. I like lions. They're, for me with big cats, they're probably like third or fourth. I like uh, jaguars, tigers, snow leopards, and cougars more. But then it's lions. So fifth. Yeah, they're fifth. Cheetahs? I think I like lions more than cheetahs. Mm. Cheetahs aren't technically like big cats either. So I'll go in. I don't know.
1: I'll go in now. Okay. Uh I almost have a three-way tie for my favorite cat, okay? Which is tiger, lion, and jaguar. Okay. And right now I'm kind of leaning lion. Interesting. So, here's what I like about lions compared to other cats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I go. like their roar, like you were saying. Uh-huh. Like every other cat it's kind of like a row. You know? <laughs> Tigers have
2: like a real roar. They don't, they, like, roar like a lion. So roar, there's three though. roaring cats. There's tigers, lions, and jaguars. are the three cats that roar. My
1: top three. Yeah.
2: And all three of those <laughs> have, like, a real roar. Yeah, lions have, like, tracks. a really deep bellow. It's, like, deep. But tigers and, and jaguars both roar as well.
1: Okay. Yeah. But I like a lion's roar the best. Okay. So do cougars and then, meow?
2: They, they, they just don't roar. They, like, scream. Oh, yeah, that's, that's annoying.
1: Um, and then... Like their manes, I just think are so cool. Yeah, I just I'm laughing at Mike saying that's annoying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your screen. Yeah, uh, their manes are cool. So and then like it's cool how many people they killed on that railroad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and like Lion King's like probably my favorite Disney cartoon. Yeah. So like I just really am into lions right now. All right. Uh, You're
2: wearing a shirt that's lion colored.
1: But like. You know, if we do a Jaguar (laughs) episode, it might change to Jaguar being my favorite. I'm going to rank them nine. Okay. Overall. Yeah.
0: Whoa. Holy cow. It's a lion. We're talking about a lion. We've talked about Chris Harris. Never mind. I like lions a lot. Jeff took all my reasons for liking lions. Nice. There you go. What about
1: the males just like making the females hunt most of the time? You like that?
0: So, <laughs> I, not to tread into misogynistic oh, territory, yeah. that sounds kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, I not that I want.
2: Like, from a laziness standpoint, it just sounds nice being fed your whole life and, like, yeah. being able to, like, lay around and do nothing. Yeah. But it. we don't need to involve the, the like, gender <laughs> politics of this. That's right. smart.
1: What's that Disney movie where it's,
2: like, lions versus hyenas? Lion King. No, but, like, <laughs> the
1: documentary. It might not be Disney.
2: Oh, I know what you're, it's like, no, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what it's called.
1: That one was so cool where, like, the male lion's just, like, lazy most all the documentary. And then at the very end, there's, like, this hyena finally, like, these hyenas finally kill, like, a female lion in their pride. Yeah. And the male lion's like, okay, we're done. Just, like, goes and, like, so easily and quickly kills, like, the leader of the hyenas. Yeah. And it's just, like, feuds
2: over. Yeah. Like, The male lions don't do much, but when they do, it's like they put an end to whatever's happening. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, that is part one of a two parter on the Lions of Savo. Uh, next week we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the rest of the story, the motives of the lions, some of the science behind the story, uh, the rest of our categories. And, um, thanks so much for listening guys. Uh, Please write us a review. Give us a rating if you haven't already. That's like the best way for us to get discovered for people to find our podcast is that way. It really helps us a ton. So do that if you haven't already. And if you're interested in more content, our Patreon uh, is still open. We're posting mini episodes on there. Uh, That's every other week. We're putting stuff on there. And um, I got a
1: doozy that we're about to record. Yeah, we're going to animals in executions.
2: Yeah, so animals uh, uh, that both were tried in court and then animals that were used to kill people. I think we'll
1: do two separate ones, Okay. but yeah. Cool. Whoa.
2: Anyway, the Patreon link is on our Instagram, uh, Tooth and Claw Podcast. And yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks. We'll see
0: you. Okay, like we said, we want to give you new subscribers to our Patreon. A special shout-out here at the end. So uh, without any further ado, let's go down that list. We've got Maggie Duffy. Margaret Langstead, Isla Bush, Lindsay G. Carlson, Tammy Tomlinson, Irene Olivieri, David Allstott, Amanda Manning, Ellis, Casey Corcoran, Kate Havizdos, Jackson Quinn, Marie Hannafin, Kaoru Kumano, Derek Knoll, Eleanor Abercrombie, Matthew Morris, Abby Meyer, Joshua Soller, and Anne Wimmer. Thank you guys again so much for your support. And uh, now we truly are at the end of the episode. So we'll see you guys later.
2: Whether you're in a relationship, single or recently heartbroken, you could be navigating some tough stuff. And it really can be challenging to do this on your own. We all need help when it comes to our relationships, very specifically our love lives. I'm Jillian, and each week on my podcast, Jillian on Love, I share skills on how to strengthen our relationships, how to build a stronger sense of self, and how to heal heartbreak and choose better partners. Learn how to start making change today and search for
1: Jillian on Love wherever you're listening now.